Hi, this is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, and welcome to the Content Pros Podcast, where you'll hear the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world. The show is brought to you by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer's journey. The show is also brought to you by Convince and Convert, content marketing strategies advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. The hosts of the show are Randy Frisch and Anna Harak. Find all links, archives, and more at contentprospodcast.com. That's contentprospodcast.com. Now, here's Randy, Anna, and this week's special guest. Welcome to the Content Pros Podcast. I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip, and for the first time today, I have my new co-host who's going to be joining, Anna Harak, joining us from Convince and Convert, and we are going to essentially kick off a new season of Content Pros, and we're going to do so in an area that I love talking about. Uh, Maybe I'm a little biased and boring sometimes that I don't like thinking of content in a silo, but thinking of content as to how it helps us in our entire buyer journey. And I I always go back to one of my favorite definitions of content marketing. It comes from the Content Marketing Institute, and it talks about content marketing as a technique of creating and distributing valuable, relevant, and consistent content to attract that clearly defined audience. But I love the part at the end where they always say, with the objective of driving profitable customer action. And I think that's one of the things that I'm I'm not going to say a lot of us content marketers overlook that, but I think we do get caught up in the grind of having to create more and more content or some of us in a good way of move from perhaps the quantity to the quality. But the question really becomes, is that quality there to drive the outcomes for our business that, that we care about? And, and I know, Anna, that that's something that you work a lot with you know, clients at Convince and Convert to focus on. Totally. And you know what's funny, Randy, is I know on the last episode, we said we weren't going to agree on everything and eventually we will disagree. But today's just not one of those days. I completely agree with you. So, <laughs> And you know what's funny is we actually have the perfect guest here today who can talk to us more about that and what her efforts are. So we have Lisa Kenny here today. She's the Senior Demand Generation Marketing Manager for BlackBod. She actually works every day to drive demand to support the bookings budgets for the arts and cultural vertical at BlackBod. Lisa, thank you so much for being here today and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Would you mind just sort of kicking us off and telling us a little bit about yourself, maybe diving a bit into your background and a little bit more about what you do on the day to day? Yeah, sure. Um, So my background is actually, um, I have a graphic design degree with a focus on advertising and marketing. Um, Right out of school, I was picked up by a company called Segway. Uh, Most know them for their two-wheeled electric transportation device. Um, And I was there for like six years. Um, It was, it was very... Did you have a Segway? Sorry, I got, I got, (laughs) did you actually have, like, does every employee get one? Basically, I got to borrow them kind of whenever I wanted. Um, there's probably photos out there. Uh, we all had to be models as slash employees. So there's probably still use of my likeliness somewhere. Um, but yeah, we had just had access to them. So 
I never owned one. I just basically borrowed them. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I killed your flow. <laughs> Keep going. I just, I was, I'm so excited now. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, it actually was a really cool time um, to be in marketing at that time. There was no Marketo, right? Um, there was no, I think my my marketing automation was a mixture of form stack and um, WordPress and, and um, you know, Drupal sites. And uh, so, you know, after I left there, I moved on to the e-commerce space um, and I managed um, a B2B and B2C e-commerce website, rebuilt them. Um, we were awarded an internet retailer Hot 100 in 2015. When I was done the project, I was a little bit bored. I missed doing like more um, of everything that's involved in marketing, not just the online stuff. So um, there was an opportunity at Blackbot uh, to become a senior demand generation marketing manager. I was already doing doing that pretty much at Segway. Plus, I added all these additional e-commerce digital skills. So I was just like, I think this is my next step. And now I'm just so happy because we have this sophisticated tech stack. I have these tools that I would have never had 10 years ago. Um, And you know, so for now, my day-to-day would be logging into the different um, tools that I use. So that would be Uberflip, uh, BrightFunnel, Salesforce, Marketo. Um, I leverage Snap App for interactive content. Um, but then I also have to do everything in the market. So, you know, I have to make sure I'm going to the right trade shows. I'm sponsoring the right associations. Um, I'm, you know, and then obviously creating the right collateral and um, marketing materials to be able to distribute, um, which I use Uberflip um, for all of my resources all my resources are, are located on artsbaba.com, I guess I should say. What else? It's a, a pretty good start. I mean, that's a lot. I know. It's like, you know, I know one of the things that Anna always likes to know is like, you know, to obviously get that budget for all that software and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Like, you, you obviously have to have a big plan. Um, maybe you can talk about some of the, the keys to how you justify to be able to get that budget you know, to, to have such a sophisticated approach to not just content, but maybe how content's used. Yeah. So luckily I came into it um, where I believe Uberflip was just being implemented when I started at BlackBot in 2015, actually. Uh, so, you know, I, I just basically adopted the tools that were already in place. We have um, Mary Pai um, is our, uh, VP of marketing, and she believes in making sure that everything's connected. You can see ROI. Um, she drives the demand gen team and the product marketing team. So she, um, you know, attends serious decisions and um, is really up to date with, you know, the best practices and strategies with, you know, applying the funnel, MQL, SAL, SQO, and one, and just really adhering to the recipe and leveraging the tech stack to do so. So we have, um, a marketing operations team that evaluates software before it's implemented to us. And then, you know, we have beta testers. So I tend to be a beta tester of new technology. I don't know what's coming through the pike next year, um, but I know that we're always open to trying something new, especially if it's going to streamline our processes. Uh, so I think because BlackBot is a, is a very large company um, that is, you know, very software driven, uh, we, we build and sell our own software and services. So we um, want to make sure that we're also being savvy and modern with our marketing tools as well. 
So Lisa, along with a lot of those tools and technology, you use a lot of them to do a ton of segmentation, correct? You've actually been described as a segmentation all-star. I love that. Well, you know, I, I do have to, I can't take full credit for the segmentations. We do um, have wonderful product marketers who really understand their market. So within the arts and cultural division, um, I got to work with a wonderful product marketer who had already segmented um, the business based on reserve seating general admission and cultural foundations. And I just was like, I think we can take it further. So, um, you know, with rsuppa.com, I was really able to really organize my categories and start to talk to general admission based on aquariums, gardens, museums, and zoos. Um, and then, you know, take it even deeper based on persona. So are they a marketing professional? Because we have software for you. Are you a, a fundraising professional? We have software for you. Are you an accounting professional? Are you um, membership management? Are you retail? Um, so within our arts and cultural division, we have solutions that um, actually consolidate your operations so that you can see a 360 view of your customer. Um, but we need to make sure that everybody's on board, right? So my job is to make sure that all those different personas see the value of leveraging one consolidated solution. Um, and then on the flip side with the reserve seating, same thing there, um, and also uh, with cultural foundations. So um, the next level that I tend to do with segmentation is based on um, what you're engaging with. So did you engage with emails? Did you download a data sheet? Did you participate in a webinar? Um, I, I might only want to target you based on those certain things. So for example, um, Everyday Hero is a... Uh, a, a software solution that we provide here at BackBot, and it's basically peer-to-peer -peer fundraising. Um, and so it's not, peer-to-peer -peer fundraising is not super popular in the arts and cultural space, but there are um, really trendy things that you can do, like you can do a dance-a-thon, or you can do um, an overnight, uh, uh, I don't know, party or something. I'm not sure. But uh, we have put some resources up on rsubbubba.com to see if anybody is interested in peer-to-peer -peer fundraising. And I found about 250 contacts have engaged with those resources. So we have a webinar coming up um, to learn more about um, our peer-to-peer -peer fundraising solution. And I've decided that I'm only going to invite those 220 people who have actually shown interest in any of those resources on my hub. So, um, you know, they might not be the right persona, but because they've perused it and um, they've downloaded something, I, I wanted to see if they're going to take a, a bite out of that email and join the webinar. So um, the webinar is in a few weeks. Uh, I guess I'll have to keep you posted on if that strategy worked. <laughs> the email goes out tomorrow, actually. <laughs> nice. Well, I think I, it's clear to me. It's so funny. You were so modest about being called a segmentation all-star, but I think everything that you just talked about pretty much proves that all-star status. So you are are clearly doing segmentation at a really just very nuanced level and a very advanced level. You know, in, in personas and segmentation, it really is the holy grail for a lot of marketers out there, but it's really difficult to implement. Do you have any tips and tricks for anybody who's maybe even just starting with segmentation or starting to look at personas or, you know, even just at the very sort of ground level and maybe where they can start and, you know, kind of get past some of those big first hurdles? 
Yeah, I mean, I think data is your friend, right? And so obviously, you need to have some clean data to be able to do a lot of this segmentation. But for the most part, um, we all want to believe our database are pretty decent enough where we know at least like your name, your organization. Um, For us, we know um, a little bit more about your organization because they're nonprofits. So we know like how much you make a year, um, you know, from contributions and or uh, revenue. Um, So for me, Salesforce is my best friend. Anything in Salesforce can be pretty much a um, a slice in uh, Marketo SmartList, right? As long as it's syncing over. Um, and we have most of that stuff syncing over. So um, for me, I tend to segment by revenue. Um, you know, I could do location. I can do by the type of title you have. I do it by um, the type of organization you are. And like I said, with resources as well, I think you just, you just, really define your market too. Um, who do you want to target? Who do you want to go after? And then what data is available to you to to make um, a very strategic smart list in, in Marketo or whatever automation tool you're using. Um, so I think like an audience analysis is super important um, at to start and then, you know, take a look at your lists, um, and also take a look at what they're engaging with. Are they, um, do you have data related to what they've accessed and and what they've played with? And can you play off of that type of a play versus just always using your Salesforce data? That's, that's great advice, Lisa. I, I I have a really big chicken before the egg question for you. Um, but it's so big that I feel like it can kind of use our sponsor reads as a break here. And then we'll bring it back because everyone's going to want to know what this analogy is and, and how it ties in. So we'll do a quick break here from a couple of our sponsors. And we'll be right back with Lisa on Content Pros. Hey, everybody. This is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert reminding you that Content Pros is sponsored by Uberflip, a cloud-based platform that helps marketers like you create personalized content experiences to showcase the content You've created you, not IT. You can create engaging content hubs that your audiences will love. I use it all the time. My team uses it all the time. With Uberflip, you'll deploy content faster, accelerate your lead gen, and enable your sales team with personalized content throughout the sales cycle. Go to uberflip.com pros, uberflip.com pros to find out how you can be a content pro by showing your company that the content experience matters. The show is also brought to you by my friends at Vidyard, the new generation video platform that helps you unlock the power of video today. Love, love, love Vidyard. Use it all the time. Super easy, interactive, personalized video experiences. You can boost your online conversion rates, track the true performance of your video content well beyond the view count. Visit vidyard.com today to see how you can use video to deliver better results across all of your marketing programs. Also want to remind you that my team and I at Convince and Convert have a brand new free ebook I'd love for you to take a look at. Go to bit.ly slash broken content. That's bit.ly slash broken content. It's called The Four Ways to Fix Your Broken Content Marketing. Put a lot of work into it. I think you'll love it. Thanks as always for listening to Content Pros. Now, back to the show. We're back here on Content Pros. We've got Lisa Kenny, and we just got a really 
easy to understand approach to a very complicated problem, which is how do we segment our audiences? How do we find out what they're looking for? What's going to resonate for our business? And I want to start to layer the actual content story in here now. But before we do, as I said, I've got a a chicken before the egg, if you will, question for you, Lisa. And it's, you know, it, it comes back to this idea of all the segmentation, all the data analysis that you're doing. And I'm wondering from a content creation perspective, are you creating content and trying to match it to those personas or are you figuring out the personas first first and then that inform your content creation strategy? I, 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 the answer may be somewhere in the middle, like any chicken before the egg question, but uh, answer, but maybe you can take a stab at that one. Yeah. So I, it's totally somewhere in the middle because I feel like, Let's pretend that you've never really done a lot of segmentation, but you have a lot of resources already. There's probably those resources can be reorganized into the new personas that you're creating, right? And then there's new content that you got to create because you realize I don't have enough for one persona versus the other. And I kind of find, I feel like I had that revelation when I was building out my Uber flip hop. I feel like I was like, oh gosh, I really don't have a lot of membership resources. So, and this is actually true. Next year, I am making sure that, you know, I'm doing a MP Engage blog series on membership. I want to make sure that um, we have those topics coming at um, BBCon, our annual conference. Um, So you kind of start to see the holes when you start to take your resources and drop them into segments. You're like, wow, I really need to focus more on this persona because I don't have enough for the IT professional who wants to understand what consolidated ticketing is. Um, So I think there's a little bit of that. But then because we have that sophisticated tech stack, because I have BrightFunnel, because I've set up my hub so that each resource actually has its own job number. So I can actually see how each resource is performing. I can actually see if the resource has influenced anything. And so a great case in point could be um, I have a data sheet and it it's actually a bundle and it's using our accounting solution and our ticketing solution. And it's just talking about how the two work together. It's one of my most popular data sheets and it's the most out-of-date data sheet. It is, it's actually horrible and I'm embarrassed by it. And I have it on my list to update because it's, it's imperative that I do. It's, I mean, right now I'm looking at it and has influenced over um, 350K in pipeline and 204K in bookings. Like I got to fix this data sheet. So I think because you can start to look at data and I know that that data sheet's good for multiple personas because it talks about multiple departments coming together, um, agreeing on a bundle of solutions. Um, I feel like, you know, with this data, I can drive my strategy with content. I know that, um, you know, maybe, uh, what else do I, am I looking at here? I'm looking at um, a couple demos. So I actually find that um, my on-demand demos are actually doing better than my live demos. But one reason for that is I encourage people to sign up for on-demand recordings if they can't make the live event. Um, And I also feel like you know, people need to digest content in different ways. So yes, I have a live event, but then I also need to make sure that it's an on-demand recording. And maybe I want to turn that into a Snap app as well. So I feel like it kind of, this conversation is kind of segueing into repurposing content. But I think if you're able to, you know, look at data, see what's working, what's not working, define your segments, take your existing resources, see where they fit in your segments, see where your holes are, um, 
get a sophisticated tech stack, see the whole story, you can then make better decisions on like, where should I go next year? So for me, I have I have my roadmap for next year. I know exactly what I want to do. But then you also have to be nimble. I feel like in today's world, data changes, things change, um, environments change, and you need to be able to roll with that. So I don't plan out my full year super detailed. I have my overarching strategy campaigns. I have ideas and content that I want to create, but I know that there's going to be content that happens along the way that I'm just going to have to roll with over time. So um, hopefully that gives a good understanding of of the chicken before the egg. And it's really a mixture of the two. (laughs) (laughs) No, totally. And I I love that whole message about being flexible and just allowing for things to change and grow and evolve because, you know, it's, it never always fully works out the way that we want them to. And, And sometimes in the best way possible. And, you know, a lot of times you had mentioned, you know, once you start hooking up those data pieces, that really can change things for the better. When you started hooking up all of those pieces of information and getting that really big picture. Was there anything that really surprised you or or even just confirmed a lot of the hunches you had? What did that kind of look like once you got it all together? I mean, gosh, I'm... I, I feel like I was one of the early adopters of Bright Funnel. We just got that back in March. Um, and it's totally opened up my whole world. Um, for me, I realized that um, a resource that I wasn't necessarily promoting, uh, well, I was promoting, but not deep diving, for example. Um, we come out with a charitable giving report every year and it's done by our corporate team and we I promote it and it's, you know, it's, it's very thought leadership. It's something we come out every year. People look forward to it. Well, come to find out it's actually my number one resource and it's thought leadership for sure, but it's industry. It's an industry report. So, and it actually does go into each individual industry. So it talks about healthcare, maybe the education industry. It talks about arts and cultural industries and right Right now, it's one full book. Um, And I realized, wow, this book has so much impact on my market. So I decided that I was going to leverage that resource along with some of the other fundraising best practices that we have and do a new boomerang campaign um, and also a new pure prospect campaign. So when I say boomerang, I mean, you were once a Blackboard customer and you've left and we've come out some really awesome things and we probably stopped talking to you um, and we probably didn't show you the new products that we have. So um, I've decided to group those people together. Um, I started with the fundraising persona first and I reminded them of the good stuff that we have. And it's, um, you know, uh, it was actually a really cute email. I don't have it in front of me, but it was, um, uh, hey, you may know us or, um, hey there, let's get reacquainted. Um, and, you know, I did see really wonderful open and click-through rates just sharing those thought leadership resources of, hey, um, you know, you re- remember downloading this when you were a customer. Well, we still produce it and you can still access it. Um, so the cool thing that we're doing with this charitable giving report this year is um, we're actually going to make an abridged version just for arts and cultural. So we're going to take out the data that's arts and cultural specific. I'll promote the big one when it launches, and then I'm going to have my own little version for arts and cultural and see where that's going to take me, um, where where I'm getting a little bit more specific to my market and pulling out the information that they only care about. Um, 
So that's one approach that I'm taking when I see, you know, this new data in BrightFunnel is, is what's most popular and how can I take it to that next level for next year? And also on the flip side, what's not popular, right? Um, what is just not resonating? And I have lots of those. You know, I, it's, it's funny because, you know, as you describe that and, and you're describing this very sophisticated approach to how you're leveraging content and, and I, I like how you went into this idea of looking back to those interesting moments within that person's interaction with you and leveraging them. And think about us in our day-to-day. I mean, all, all three of us. I mean, some of the things that, that we love is when we go on Facebook and they've curated you know, our story from the last year, right? I mean, all they're doing is they're leveraging data and showing us how much we love that platform, be it Facebook, Instagram, what have you. And I think, as you said, that those are the things that we have to do as marketers with our content is really use the understanding that we're developing with everyone who interacts with us on a day-to-day basis, not this week, but over time, and actually deliver the content that's going to be really meaningful to them. Everything I do, I want it to be meaningful. I really don't batch and blast. I don't send out anything that's just going to like be a one hit and hopefully people MQL off of it. I just, I just can't do work like that. I want to be strategic. I want to make sure, like I said, quantity, uh, quality over quantity is so important to me. Just having these new insights and being able to repurpose the content and or create new content based on these insights. It's really fun. It's really fun to be a marketer right now. I, I, I want to hit on another thing you said really quickly. This this was at the beginning when we were when we were diagnosing the chicken before the egg. And, and before the break, you actually talked about, I, I think the term you used was audience analysis. And then what we were talking about was, okay, how do you actually uh, group the content you have? And again, it reminded me of my life, right? It's, it's, you know, we don't realize what we have until we sit down and start to, you know, sort through it, right? You know, sometimes my kids are like, I don't have any toys. I'm like, okay, let's go down to the basement and actually empty these big bins and realize how many Disney cars you have, right? Like it's, you know, we, we, take for granted all that stuff we bought or in content world created over the years. Maybe you could talk about some of the ways that you do tag that content at scale because at Blackboard, you guys have a lot of content. Jeez, I mean, seriously, like we are a content machine. Um, And so for me, it is, it's, It's actually not rocket science. It's an Excel file. I have one Excel file that has all my gated resources on it. And each, and the the way that it's set up is I literally have the, um, the, um, the Uberflip number. um, Sorry, when you upload, what, what do you call that? Oh, the Uberflip ID. Sorry. I have the content ID and column one. I have um, the job number in column two. Now, I have a general job number for everything. It's actually number 11168. However, the extension changes depending on what it is. So let's say um, it's it might say underscore video, underscore score ultra reporting. It might say underscore uh, data sheet, uh, underscore financial NXT. And so I know exactly what resource is what. So I take this Excel file. I have the job number in it. I have a link to the, to the resource just for my own personal reference. I have how many points they're going to get when they access it. I have the Marketo interesting moment that they'll um, that will be seen in Salesforce, um, and I give that to my Matt team to help me um, hook it up. 
Um, and then I usually create an autoresponder. I indicate whether they have an autoresponder or not. Um, and because I've set up my Excel file with every resource with its own little job number extension, I'm able to see how each one individually performs. So I find that a lot of people tend to just use one job number for all data sheets, one job number for all customer stories, and that's fine. But if you want to get super nitty gritty as to the exact resource and how it's performing, you got to use individual job numbers and build it out that way. Um, so for me, it's it. I just manage this Excel file and it's my master document. And if any, if I give anything for free, if it's an article or tip sheet or infographic that I'm not gating, I don't bother putting it on my Excel file. Um, so, so yeah, that's it's really just an Excel file that I use. It makes me honestly, it makes me so happy to hear that you have this amazing tech stack behind you. And yet Excel is still part of your day to day basis. I feel like no matter what, no matter how advanced we get, no matter what type of new tool or platform comes on the market, Excel is always going to be on our lives. I don't know what kind of stranglehold they have on us or how they got it there. But I don't know. Randy, do you use Excel a lot too? Uh, I, I love it. I mean, I'll, I'll admit I'm, I'm getting more and more into Google Suite or G Suite. I mean, they're they're really catching up in a lot of, in a lot of ways these days. But Excel is still nostalgic for me, right? I mean, I, I don't know if it's going to be the same way, I guess, you know, millennials, if they're as Excel loyal as maybe I still am. But, uh, you know, I, I can't envision my kids will, but I feel like they'll still have me for at least a decade. Totally. <laughs> No, it just, it makes me so happy to hear Lisa. Um, and, you know, and also the fact that you have this tech stack, including Excel, and you have so much on your plate, and there's so much, you know, to do on the day to day. Um, you have often sometimes been kind of described as sort of like a lone wolf, or you're kind of a, a department of one, correct? Oh my God, it's been the story of my life, like my whole career, which is okay. No, but you know what? It's great because if you actually saw the most recent Content Marketing Institute reports, the state of content marketing, a lot of people are still in the same boat. There's still a ton of people out there who are departments of one. What is some of the what are what's sort of the biggest piece of advice or the biggest tips you have um, for those other fellow? lone wolves out there um, on how to manage the day-to-day and just how to, you know, sell in segmentation to their organization or how to start, you know, really getting people on board with this approach. I mean, for me, um, whenever I do like a new campaign that might be different that maybe other people aren't doing at Backbod, I always put together a deck. I do, I pull reports. I actually do series of decks to see the progression. Um, right now, you know, I, I I actually pull reports from Salesforce, from Marketo, from BrightFunnel, and I kind of have to piece the story together. Um, you can't just look at one and get the full picture. Um, so for me, I try to put a deck together so that um, actually just yesterday I presented to my team on a Snap app um, a, a piece of a campaign, um, a Snap app that I did that was part of a bigger campaign. And I did um, a hone in on how the Snap app is performing, but then I did a hone in on how the whole campaign is performing. So I usually try to put a deck together so that I can share the wealth with the rest of my team. So for me, it's about priorities, right? So for I have goals that I adhere to. Um, I have lead goals. So for me, because um, I might be down a few members on my team, if it doesn't relate to my goals, I might have 
have to put it on the back burner. However, I also have a hard time just leaving things to the side. So there are a lot, there is a lot that I've picked up the slack on because I don't want to see it fall to the wayside. Um, I will hopefully have a counterpart next year. I know they're working on it. It's more of a product marketing role. So I'm just, I have a running list for that person and I'm trying to hold, keep the balls afloat, but knowing that I'm probably dropping some. Um, And so it's really just comes down to priorities. Um, Is it going to, honestly, I don't do anything unless it's going to give me ROI or at least I can measure it. So, you know, I might have to put to the wayside some of our champions programs activities um, and um, some of the, the, the fun things that we do for customers that maybe that person would have picked up the slack on. I might, I may have to like put that to the wayside so that I can focus on my goals. Um, but it's just all about setting priorities. I am a huge to-do lister. Um, every morning I almost recreate my to-do list. So I just try to stick to that. And, um, that to-do list is never going to go away. It's always growing. (laughs) Do you ever do you ever actually like complete a to do that's not on your to do list and then just write it on your to do list just to cross it off? Yeah, all the time. Uh, yeah, I, I do that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's proof that it it's proof that it happened. Otherwise, it didn't. That's awesome, guys. Uh, Lisa, this is this has been awesome so far. I mean, I, I think a lot of marketing leaders listening in on this are are taking notes or trying to figure out how they find people like you who are this ROI minded when it comes to content. But as we wrap up here, what we always like to do is also just get to know you outside of work a bit. And uh, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out how to combine data that I've uh, that I've gathered over this. Uh, podcast and also data I knew before to ask these questions. So I'm going to try and combine like three really interesting pieces of information. So one is, I know you like dogs. What what kind of dog do you have again? I have an English bulldog and he's, uh, he's my baby. Okay. Beautiful. So cute. So cute. And they're kind of a pain to walk at times though, right? Like English bulldogs. Oh, he, no, he doesn't go outside. And I'm from New Hampshire, so it's really colder here right now. Um, so he's been holding it way longer than he needs to because he doesn't <laughs> want to go outside. So my question was going to be, maybe maybe the fact it's an English Bulldog means this. Did you ever have any good content stories when you were at Segway of people who are lazy enough to walk their dog on a Segway? Oh, gosh. I mean, there are so many crazy stories. I mean, there's actually, I mean, I don't know if they still do it anymore, but there used to be a Segway Fest every year. So picture um, Comic-Con on a small scale of just people who are obsessed with Segway. (laughs) And they would actually, they don't, I don't have a lot of stories of people walking them dogs, but I have um, maybe more stories of people um, being overprotective of their um, their unit and like over decking it out and and pimping it out I guess is another word you could say um, there's obviously we would always cringe I think when we saw people doing that <laughs> like a lowrider segue kind of like Disney folk you know like but not like the ones who go to Disney for the nostalgia like the ones who go to Disney and like think they're a princess when they're 40 years old right like those ones and you gotta have fans of your product right? We probably have lots of stories. Um, it was a private company at the time. I'm probably held under some kind of do not tell order still. Fair enough. Fair enough. So we'll, we'll leave that for the next time you ha- you're you on when you've gotten clearance to share some of these stories. Let me go check my contract again. Let me go see what's there. Absolutely. <laughs> Lisa, on, on behalf of Anna and myself, thank you so much for, for joining us on the podcast. Uh, a lot of the people who listen to this are looking for ways to you know take their content and use it in a more meaningful way. And you're, you're definitely setting a leadership uh, example 
at BlackBot and for other marketers sharing this uh, with all of us today. So on behalf of Anna Harak at Convince and Convert and myself, Randy at Uberflip, uh, this has been the Content Pros Podcast. For those listening, you can find our past episodes at contentprospodcast.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, really wherever you're looking for podcasts, you can find us there. And until next time, thank you so much for tuning in to listen. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince & Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince & Convert Media. Interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show? Visit us at convinceandconvert.com.